What's up, everybody? Welcome to the very first episode of the Fly Sweet Podcast. I'm your host, Matt, and I've got my co-host with me, Jose. Before we get too far into the episode, we just want to give a quick shout out to our partner, the Unwrapped Sports Network. Check them out at unwrappedsports.com. They have a handful of team-focused po- podcasts just like this one, as well as NFL, NCAA, NBA, UFC, and even fantasy podcasts. Go check them out, of course, after you're done with this one. Jose, how are we doing today, my friend? It is a wonderful, beautiful, sunny day here in the Bay Area, Matt. I could not be more happier. Hey, that's why we pay the premium, right? <laughs> but anyway, we got a full pack show for you guys. We got the draft. Let the dust settle a little bit. I know Jose was a little angry. Got a little, uh, little active out there on Twitter. Got a little hate from the silver and black, but it's all good. Um, but first things first, we'll go over pick number four, Mr. Cleveland Farrell. Jose, I know we had a bit of a different opinion on this pick, so I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be a gentleman. I'll, I'll go ahead and let you go first, my man. A bit? Uh-huh, yeah, a bit? Maybe. A maybe. bit? A bit? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, like I said, um, what, a, what happened on Twitter that night was quite interesting, how I really kicked the beehive of Raider Nation just because I viewed it as a pretty big reach now i've lowered my stance a little bit i still think it was a reach i still think they overvalued cleland Farrell at number four considering who else was on the board yeah. but after like hearing that you know they really they really would have traded you know even vic tafer reported that that they, you know they really would have traded they would have took him at 10 but you know considering how the draft like was ongoing dude the one thing like i noticed no one made a trade until the broncos did yeah. at pick number 10 i was shocked and usually in years past we always hear or see teams trading within the top five i mean i can't i don't i don't have it in front of me but i just, I just don't don't recall the last time there was a no trade in the top 10 let alone top five so i mean that's pretty insane. So in, th- in that case, you know, that's why it's like, you know, you, you reached on Cleveland Farrell, but I'm not going to like go out there and like, like say it was terrible or even that bad. Cause you know, it's not, you compared it to 2018 and 2019 where you go ahead and you're going to dislocate your shoulders to go ahead and grab Colton Miller <laughs> from the top cupboard when Derwin James was sitting there, you know, it's nothing like that. Cause I mean, you know, as much as I wanted Ed Oliver, I wasn't set on one guy. You know, yeah, I mean, Farrell was still gonna be a first round pick. Like Miller, oh, yeah. Miller was a questionable first round pick. Mm-hmm. That was definitely a based on need basis. So that's why you could definitely see like Mike Mayock definitely had his hand on this draft. Where um, as last year it was just all Gruden. You can tell from the picks because overall, if you when we pull out both the draft sheets from. The prior from this year's and last, they're completely different. It's all with a purpose and a goal. Whereas Cleveland Furl, you see high character, and that pretty much set the tone. High character guy, NFL ready program, championship level yeah. caliber with Dabu Sweeney as the head coach, you know. So he's proven that he can play in high levels and sustain it with leadership and also with his upside. So he's a solid player. I never said he was a bad player. He's a good player yeah. that has a chance to be great. I just feel you take him at number four. You ideally want to get someone who's going to be an immediate impact starter. You know, someone who's going to be like, this guy's going to notch off some good pr- pr- production and such like that. You know, the same way like how when like Amari Cooper came in, he was pretty much like a thousand receive yards and he was like an immediate impact starter. Khalil Mack was an immediate impact starter, which are, those are the last two who are pretty much were like first round, like instant their hitters for um, the Oakland Raiders. 
But ideally, trade back. But let's. I'm not gonna sit there and be like they should have traded when realizing yeah. you know no one else was trading. You know, so it's better. You know, I've always compared the NFL, the NFL draft like the New York Stock Exchange with terms of value and also like a game of baseball. You know, you, you want to make contact on the ball because if you yeah, make contact, awesome. you have a chance of home running. You don't know if it's going to be a single, a double, a triple. You know, you don't know what it's going to bring. And so with at least with Cleveland Farrell, you know, you at the very bottom least know you hit a sing- single. Um, once again, the value was a little high, but better to make contact than to completely flame out. <laughs> I loved Cleveland Farrell. I loved him coming out. Um, I had, a, like I said, I had him ranked fifth on my big board. And even I was surprised by the pick. You know, I didn't think it was coming. I had him fifth in the big board and everyone told me I was stupid. I thought I was alone in being that high on him. But apparently Mike Mayock and I are the only two ones that agree are on the same page. And they took him at four. So from that standpoint, from a talent standpoint, I'm not going to say it's a reach. You know, looking at the other mock drafts and, you know, someone pointed this out. If Mike Mayock's still in the media, maybe Farrell's stock is higher. But looking at the other mock drafts, he was probably going to land somewhere in the mid, the early teens to late teens, maybe even early 20s. I think I ended up mocking him at 21 to Seattle. But at the end of the day, like we talked about, usually teams are trading up in the draft. That didn't happen as much. Part of that's because of the quarterback class. Um, obviously, Kyler goes one. And then the Giants were going with Daniel Jones, or Giants went with Daniel Jones. And everybody knew Daniel Jones was the number one pick on their board. Like, mm-hmm. that was a pretty well-known story coming into the draft. So... And every and I'm pretty sure Dave Gettleman and the Giants were the only people to think Daniel Jones is a first round quarterback. So there's yes. no immediate need to trade up and try and get ahead of another team mm-hmm. for the uh, for a quarterback, especially when Tampa Bay's got Jameis and then Arians apparently loves him. And even the next quarterback taken was Washington or was with Washington at, with Haskins. And that was what pick 15. So yeah, and then remember the day yeah. before, like there was leaks and rumors supposedly, which obviously was from Gruden, mm-hmm. that they were interested in taking Haskins, which is smart. Yeah. You know, you have to leak that to try to get Washington desperate to jump at three. So that definitely like shows that they wanted Quinn and Williams. They wanted, yeah, him. they wanted him, and that sucks that he only fell out one away. And then I also believe they also wanted Nick Bosa badly, which is yeah. why you also heard rumors of them trading up. So that's why they, you know, they wanted to put that you know that so many rumors out there which is what makes mike mayock not look like a genius for letting oh, the yeah. scouts go home which i thought like i told you i didn't think it was a big deal if anything his points been proven because the leaks are yep. coming out so i mean yeah that was just a, that was just a great way of just like control try, they tried you know they try and control in the draft a little bit and you know sometimes they're not sometimes the shots aren't falling so yeah. you just gotta play what what, what cards you dealt with and that's why, like at the like you said, at the end of the day, Clinton Farrell's a solid pick, and you just you, you going down the list on who was taken after that. You know there wasn't there wasn't yeah. a need for anyone to trade. Say the Raiders trade back with the Skins and get pick fifteen. Well, the Packers took Rashawn Gary at twelve, so obviously they were interested in an edge rusher. Mm-hmm. So I would assume they would take Farrell at twelve, and then at fifteen, the Raiders are stuck with Rashawn Gary, who. 
everyone seems to think is a bust. I know I think he's a bust. I'm Jose, I think you share that too. Yeah, I don't like him that much. Yeah, exactly. And then Brian Burns was another option. Who I would prefer Burns? You prefer Burns over Farrell? Well, if we're at 15 and Farrell's gone, that would have been sufficient enough, I think, just to, just given on what you would have gotten back. But yeah. you know, that's all. That's all. I mean, know. it's yeah, it's under the it's water under the bridge at this point. I just look at it as that was their guy. You know, again, if Mayock's in the media, maybe Farrell's chalk is higher. Maybe he's pounding the table for him. And I honestly Good do point. believe that. I think there's some good truth to that. But at the end of the day, the phone didn't ring like they said. And they got a hell of a player in Farrell. You know, I don't think, you know, to your point of him not being an impact player right away. To me, I look at him and I'm going to have to disagree with that just because I think he's the most NFL ready. Like if you watch, if you notice his draft stock, it got lower and lower the further and further we moved away from football. He's not the athletic freak that guys like Gary are or other guys in this draft class were. But what he is is a hell of a football player. And yeah, when we're in shorts and a t-shirt at the combine and he didn't participate in all the drills because he's not that great of an athlete. Yeah, he's not going to look as good as Montez Sweat running a 4-4, Rashawn Gary running a 4-5-5 at um, 270 pounds. But ultimately, you, you know what that guy is going to be able to do is bull rush someone like Jonah Williams and get sacks in a big moment. I mean, one thing's for sure, and the one thing that you can't deny about this draft class is Gruden and Mayock set out for winners. And that's exactly what they got. I mean, they took three guys from the national championship team and another guy that played in it on the other side and Jacobs. But and not just that, they went with like you said championship players, NFL ready caliber, pretty much like the minor leagues of the NFL, mm-hmm. you know. Um they went with physicality all around. People were That's bullies. True. Like I I could you could look at Most down the Raiders. down the whole list. Like no one there is like soft really. No, no one there is a you know is going to has any quit in them. They're all grinders and they're all going to have like um, they're all going to have like some voice in that locker room, which knowing Gruden, he he's an X's and O's guy and he's also a voice. So now that when he speaks that voice, hold the other players accountable, which is needed. It's definitely needed, especially because, you know, remember we talked about how Jack Del Rio handled those <laughs> locker room situation when he's been chirping. So, I mean, hopefully those situations don't happen again. And that's what you yeah. need. You need multiple leaders. You just don't need one guy to do it all. You need make, make myself a little bit more clear. Um, Immediate impact starter. I'm, I didn't mean to say that Clinton Farrell himself is not going to do that. I was thinking more on the side, like, you know, day one, he has to be a baller. Like, of course, I think he's going to be effective. Yeah. He'll probably, okay. I, I'll bet that it'll be effective. You know, like, not, I'm not in the, I'm just talking about, like, in terms of the numbers game, gotcha. ideally. And especially, like, I've, and I've, once again, I've been pounding the table. I am dis- disgusted. That they didn't go into free agency and get someone who was good at pass rusher. Because look, dude, we yeah, they only got drafted two ends in this draft. I thought it was going to be more. And look, now they're gonna, like I said, they're gonna rely on first and second year starters. That's not, I mean, first and second year players. That's not um, cohesive. That's not ideal, and that's not sustaining. I mean, in the long run, it's it's going to be good. Because now yeah. all these players are going to get all these reps, Clinton Farrell, you know, uh, Max Crosby, if he gets stronger and p- shows out more, then yeah. sure, now they got those reps, they got the experience, and then second year, that's that means the expect- expectations for year two is going to be big. And that's Definitely. how I think that that's going to be the best way that the Raiders 
get on their return on investment and Kalina Farrell at number four, then he turns into a, a huge pick. No, to your point of not bringing a veteran, honestly, what it does too is next year we're probably going to be sitting there at the draft saying Raiders could probably draft another pass rusher. Maybe it makes sense to use one of the two first on a pass rusher, and you'd like to be able to use the five pick, five first round picks you had in the two years and address five different needs. But yeah. who knows? I mean, Ziggy's still out there. Maybe we'll get something. Maybe we'll get him. Maybe next year we'll end up getting someone. Because I think at the end of the day, you do have to look at this season as next as really one season and one big project mm-hmm. with all the draft picks. Because they are going to be young. It's going to be whoa, young. whoa, Matt. Were you are you just are you just trying to like sneak peek your 2020 mock draft? You're one yeah. of those people. Oh yeah. You what are you doing? Should I list it off right now? What are you doing, man? I didn't know you're one of those people. I've not have paired up with you in this sense. Oh my god. <laughs> This is terrible. I'm addicted to mock drafts. It's not we'll, going to get covered in this podcast. We'll stick to this year. We'll go. We'll go to our next pick with the 24 to Josh Jacobs. I know. I. I get the reaction. I I know we have similar views on this Trash in pick. first round running backs. Trash value pick. But. I, I don't I don't know if part of it was like I saw it coming, especially with Marshawn retiring like what two days before the draft, and mentally I just started preparing. He didn't officially like, come yeah. out. He didn't officially it, come out did. and say it, Matt. There's still That's a chance. True. Don't don't rule him out. That's true. <laughs> we need to bring the beast back, especially now with Crowell injured. But that kind of leads me to my next point: is it's okay, we got muscle wh- hamster. What's up? We got it's muscle okay. we hamster. Got, we got the muscle hamster. Oh, He'll yeah. be good. Doug Martin. Pro muscle hamster. Bowler. Yeah. Muscle hamster who can't hold on to the ball. Does him a lot of work. But fingers. with Crowell out now, I mean, a first round and a late 20s pick, I can get on board with. And the other thing with the, the first round back stigma is when you're dra- when, when you're making that statement it's more like okay you're spending your first pick of the draft on probably the least valuable position on the field but in the raiders case with having three first round picks you can almost afford to do that cuz it's for, it's a first round pick but it is your second pick is what's helping you get get that running back and again with Crowell out who knows if Marshawn's coming back doesn't look likely and I mean, I don't know. Doug Martin fared fine last year, but I'm not going to hang my hat on him as the running back of the future. And we did get that in Jacobs. I, I don't know. What, what, what are your thoughts? I was hey, you know what, Matt? I'm glad you, you agree with me that Doug Martin did do fine last year. Matter of fact, he did over 700 yards fine. That's true. So if you think about that, Doug Martin rushed for over seven. 100 yards in that offense behind that offensive line yeah yet we blew value no value at all by picking josh jacobs a running back at number 24 that mm-hmm. was that th- if anything some people should have came at me on twitter about that pick everyone wanted cleveland Farrell, <laughs> and i didn't even blow that pick up as much as i wanted the running back that was Think about it. They were the only team to take a running back in the first round. Who else was going to take That's one? That's true, yeah. Who, who was going to take one? You know, freaking yeah. like, you know, I heard uh, th- Mike Mayock said, oh, we were sweating bullets that the Eagles were going to trade up 23. We thought yeah. they were taking Jacobs. Like, no, 
That's not the Eagles' <laughs> mo, bro. When did they drafted running? They go late round, and look, they got a good Miles one in Sanders. Miles Sanders, someone who I would have been cool with in the round two. But dude, Josh Jacobs. I'm, I'm once again, I'm not saying these players suck. I never said that. When it all said is done, when the dust settled, these players are are going to be solid. They do have upside. It's on them to work, put in the work, and for the coaches to develop them. However, you just don't draft running backs in the first round, and I'm gonna. And I'm going to do a cop-out and say that pro football focuses Austin Gale and Ted Nguyen and Athletic are pretty much in a consensus with me, not directly with me, but we all share the same logic that running back is not something you reach for in round one, especially – I mean, I know round 24 is like, all right, at that point, it's like falling. It's essentially getting closer to the second round. But, I mean, you know, you look who who else was available. I would have been more content with the Montez Sweat. You know, that's that's – once again, like like I said – they didn't pick a veteran. They, didn't, they have no veteran pass rushers. All they have is rookies and second-year starters. Thus, yeah. really want to load on the pass rush category in that sense. And while Montez Sweat, I'm not sure how, you know, if I'm not sure like how well, I mean, clearly they weren't that into getting a second defensive end. They just wanted Farrell and then just touch up everywhere else, which is fine. However, I'm always going to be about value in sports and life, and that wasn't a value pick. It's interchangeable. Yeah. Doug, if Doug Martin can rush for over 700 yards again with the offensive line, anyone else can. You can plug and play. As there is the exception of a tier where there are elite backs like a Saquon Barkley, but even he, look at them, the New York Giants are wasting that away. That's true, yeah. And you think they're going to pay him? Are the Dallas Cowboys going to pay Zeke next year? I don't know that. Maybe. You know, M- Melvin Gordon coming up, all those players, those are ballers that, that are actually like run damn near half of their offenses, you know? So it's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be a wild thing to see if Josh Jacobs, um, how it's going to work out for him. I mean, I think he's going to be productive. And yeah. honestly, personally, on the, on the gameplay side, the fan side of me can't wait to see him. But for me, sure. I got, I got a, talking and writing. I have to look at this objectively that it was, it was a reach. It's plug and play, you know? It's all about the offensive line. Who's their offensive line? Ideally, offensive line coach, which is yeah, Tom Cable. So if you do think about it, then the pick isn't so bad. <laughs> that is the one thing for me, and we'll get into our redo scenarios uh, a little bit later. But that is true. Like the running back's not going to make that big of a difference if you have a glaring hole at left guard, which the Raiders still do. And I mean, I like I like we've talked about or you referenced. I think Jacobs is going to put up the numbers. He's going to be an exciting and good player. But, yeah, I mean, I get it. There's not a whole lot of value to be had and having in the top tier running back. I mean, I look at, like, what, the uh, final four, if you will, from last year. The Rams, okay, they had Todd Gurley, but they were also using the hell out of C.J. Anderson using the two-back back system. Patriots have the revolving door at the running back. Saints have... Uh, Kamara and Ingram, well, not Ingram any, anymore, but they have that one-two combo, and it's not there's not a feature back. So to mm-hmm. your point about it being valuable, and then the Chiefs, um, obviously at the end of last year, after Kareem Hunt was released, it was again a revolving door. Maybe they found their guy in Damian Williams, but mm-hmm. you know they were still using a lot of guys by committee. So I do th- think there's a lot of sense to that. Um, you know, yeah, man, Matt. Because if you think yeah. about it, the, the the idea of a every down back is like is, is is pretty much. I don't know why people use that as a trait. It's like who cares if he's an every down back? Ideally, you want. Jacobs I mean, wasn't I, even a not every down back at Bama. Yeah, exactly. They had a great rotational amount of players. 
Warriors with Damian and Najee Harris. So, I mean, well, I can't wait for Najee next year. I'm excited yeah. for him. Um, but, yeah, dude, you got to – I mean, I understand, like, if, if – yeah. <laughs> in this sense, having a player who can – a running back who can be an every down type of player because if he's rolling on a drive, you're going to want to keep him. You don't yeah, want to take – you don't want to take him off the fire. Like, no, how mm-hmm. stupid are you? Why would you take the hot – why would you bench Steph Curry if he's seven for seven from the three, you know? Yeah. Um, but in a sense, it is still by committee, and you, you want to keep the fresh legs out there so you drive, so you tire out the defenses, and that's what this team needs to do, sustain drives. Um, I do still think they are going to use, like, a committee role. You yeah, know, I will. mean, obviously, Definitely. I think it's going to be, like, 60% Jacobs, um, maybe, like, 15% Jalen Richard, and the rest will just, like, will just stagger. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, this offense got better. And then the thing I will say, like, I understand the pick because I'm not shocked John Gruden being an offensive guy when no. at the running back. Yeah. You know, of course, he's going to fall in love with it. And also, you had to know John Gruden was going to have his hands on the first round somehow and, or so. And, way. dude, you know, to be honest, I thought it was going to be a receiver. If anything, another receiver, another yeah. young receiver there, you know, as like a future groom in play, someone who could be a third and fourth or, you know, that it, it didn't play that way. Um, but it doesn't shock me that he went with offensive player. It doesn't yeah. shock me that he wanted to add another weapon at disposal of Derek Carr, another weapon that he can use himself. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, now it's cool, but now it's just like, in that sense, now the offense really has to be the one that's going because even Definitely. though they had a nice draft, drafting uh, defensive players, I still don't think that this defense is going to be as strong as like people think it's going to be like – they're not gonna. I mean, I, I certainly yeah, don't think they're true. gonna. They're gonna be yeah. anywhere near thirteen sacks, which was god awful, straight dumpster fire. Just I mean, cancel the season. You couldn't <laughs> even av- average a game, uh, average a sack a game. So, with the defense, we'll show some improvements, but I still think they're gonna be a liability. It's gonna be on Gruden's offense, which is right because that's what you yeah. pay the big bucks to, right. Gruden and Carr. So, twenty-four man, yeah, it was overvalued. I'm not knocking Jacobs. Yeah. Good for him that he got selected. He's still good. He's going to help the offense. I just think he was really overvalued the most. And if anyone's going to kill me on a pick, kill me on that. I will fight, <laughs> fight you to my grave with that. All right. So everybody tweet at Jose uh, your takes on Josh Jacobs and make sure to uh, tag him in it. All right. Moving on to pick 27. Uh, this to me, I mean, we just talked about Jacobs and how you didn't like it. This to me was the worst pick of the first round, if I'm being blunt. Ooh. I I don't get it. Like, yeah, the Raiders needed help in the secondary, but they're talking Jay, uh, Jonathan Abram up as some big hitter in a box safety. And I'm like, why don't you just replace Josh Abram with Carl Joseph? You can swap out the names. Like, I did, didn't make sense to me. Like, like I don't get, like, why we're spending another first round pick on a guy who wasn't really rated that high, apparently Gruden fell in love with him at the at the Senior Bowl, and apparently, obviously Mayock did too. But I don't know. I watch it and I see a guy that yeah, he's a great hitter, but I also watched him miss a ton of tackles on film because he's going for that kill shot, and I I can't get on board with this one. I've tried to convince myself. So Jose, I'm gonna have to let you convince. I I need to hear. I need you to either sympathize with me or tell me why this is good. Uh, well, obviously, when I was hot into my emotions from that first round, I actually thought that was the best pick in the draft. 
Um, now, afterwards, I've settled. Farrell obviously is the best pick in the draft mm-hmm. <clears throat> for for the Raiders, but I I'll take I'll take Abrams over Jacobs any day because you know you got to think of it from this point. They the Raiders John Gruden never really liked Carl Joseph. It's true. You know, if you really yeah. thought, about it. I'm not saying like as a person. Obviously, I'm talking about like on the there field. was plenty of trade rumors. Mm-hmm. You know that we heard he was on the block, and obviously, who the hell is going to trade for Carl Joseph when they know he's in the doghouse and his value is low? Yeah. So I mean. And even now, now, now that Jonathan Abrams is drafted, we pretty much already know how they view him. When Mike Mayock went to the presser, went to a presser following the draft, um, maybe not exactly that draft, but one of his pressers, he sounded less than enthusiastic about it. He kind of like, he, I wouldn't say he danced around it, but too. he was shaky. Yeah. You know, he, there was no concrete. And at this point, you, when you, this, is the, this is the time in the offseason where everyone starts to get their, their options declined or picked up. Theirs has taken a while, so the fact that they're actually taking this long to ponder it over, like, confuses me. It makes me wonder, well, why are you waiting? It's either you know, or you don't know. Like, are you trying to decide, like, do you, like, no, we want, maybe we should pick him up so he knows comfort, and we'll be able to run great formations in the defense and play so many like tangible pieces. Because how I see it, in terms of how the plays are gonna go, you have Joiner up there. You have, I mean, obviously not there. He he'll he can drop into the slot, and then you have Joseph and Abrams on the same and playing together. You're not gonna know who's gonna come down for the underneath route. You don't know who's gonna blitz. So there's a lot of there's gonna be a lot of thinking involved on offense at that point. And once the moment you start getting the offense thinking, they're gonna start slip slipping up. However, it made sense to me because I can see, like I said, they don't like he doesn't care for uh, Carl Joseph, and he clearly thinks that Abrams has the tremendously better upside i mean it's not like abrams is significantly taller than carl joseph so I'll, like uh, an inch you know, yeah like barely like an inch or whatever so yeah. i mean uh, i think from what i saw abrams has a little bit better cover skills which is not saying much however carl joseph to his credit doesn't really get seen as a single high safety which i think he could play well because he has the instincts abrams yeah. to me doesn't really have the instincts and still needs some polishing on his technique yeah. and like you said he needs to get polished on not not lowering his head he needs to wrap up you yeah, know which is gonna which hands. is gonna be corrected through coaching that's something you can get through coaching and once again it's really gonna be on this draft so he's he's kind of a little bit of a project which um like i said i, I didn't know who was gonna get picked at 27 i told you plenty of times like I, I was like you know at that point you gotta take who's pretty good and who's who you think will fit they thought abrams will fit and that pretty much sealed carl joseph's fate yeah i mean if Carl can play that center field for, uh, high safety and whatnot, then obviously you slide um, Marcus Joyner to the to the slot corner and play nickel, um, and then Abrams is your box safety. And I will give Abram credit. I do love safeties that you can pretty much put anywhere and mm-hmm. pl- plug and play them, and he is that kind of guy. Think um, about like the Cam Chancellors, yeah, exactly. The Troy's, the Ed Reeds, yeah, and. I mean, like I was watching his game against the Outback Bowl and Mississippi State had him playing inside linebacker, like probably 25% of the plays. So he's versatile. Um, he's a he's a good player again. It's just like I was saying, like we have Carl, who's the same kind of player. You know, who knows? Maybe he'll end up end up training him. If they do, then I can wrap my head along, around it a little bit more. Carl Joseph's agent is Joel Segal, who the Raiders yep. recently have had troubles coming to a long-term agreement with. Abram is, he's probably going to be a delayed gratification pick. 
you know, I can see the Raiders sticking with Carl for the year, letting him play out the contract mm-hmm. and um, cutting bait and letting him walk, giving Abrams a few more time, maybe serve as like the 12th man on the defense like we're talking about in those nickel packages. But it's just I scratched my head before the draft. I didn't really like him. I saw a little bit of rumor to him to the Raiders, but like every pick we never really saw coming. I mean, other than Jacobs because of the whole yeah. Moshardon story. But, I mean, I could be eating crow a year from now, but I don't know. I didn't like the pick. I was severely disappointed. Plenty of other guys I would have liked to have, have there. But it is what it is. You know, hopefully he'll be that Jack Tatum, that guy that can just clean your clock and come down and play against the run. Oh. Let's walk, let's, let's walk before you run, Matt. Let's walk before you run. Hey, I'm um, full on <laughs> sprinting. We need to get off and go. I can't wait. We win. We've been crawling for the last 15 years, Jose. Have you been watching? Uh, unfortunately, I have. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's a, well. Yeah, dude. But just to wrap did. up these Carl Joseph points, um, I can. I think they're definitely they are and or at least should pick up his fifth option because then at least Five you'll be able to time. like guarantee they can trade him. Yeah, that's Cause true. Because then, then think about it, like. If they don't pick it up and it's like week five and somehow he's playing whatever he's playing average, you know, oh hey, Seattle, you want you want Carl yeah. Joseph? Yeah. No. Make some more trade I'm gonna what? I'm gonna he's gonna just gonna be a placeholder on my team and I gotta give up trade collateral or draft capital. Yeah, I mean they can do people know like, okay, I have him control for a year and a half. Yeah. They can do I have him control for a year and a half and I'm gonna pay him. Yeah, yeah, exactly through that. So yeah. with Carl Joseph, that way you know the rookie contract um try to build i can already see like they're gonna put abrams with a, a specific role at first in the, in the defense maybe not a starter and then depending on how kj plays if he's starting to play well then they're gonna start poking teams like hey you see this guy yeah you can have for control for another exactly. year just give me a fifth rounder maybe even a fourth yeah <laughs> figure out some all right moving on this will be our last pick we'll uh recap for today we're gonna do pick 40 trayvon mullen if I had heard of a uh, um, more John Gruden cornerback pick, it's Trayvon uh-huh. Mullen. Like, guy's a great tackler. It's a real Gruden grinder, yeah, man. Exactly, man. We're going to go to Hooters. <laughs> but, yeah, no, he's uh, he's exactly what Gruden would be looking for. Like, I watched his tape. I'm like, this pick has John Gruden's hands all over it. The guy... Is an excellent tackler, excellent in zone, which is what they want to run. And part of why Conley fell out of favor with the staff last year is his struggles in zone coverage. So Trayvon is the guy they wanted, the guy they wanted, and the guy they they got that fits their system pretty well. I don't know. What are you thinking about him? Oh, I, I love that pick. That pick was awesome. Yeah. Um, he's definitely. I think you're giving him enough credit in terms of like how he can actually play like man somewhat. I mean, I know he, there was like some plays in Alabama that mm-hmm. he got he got did dirty on like a double or like a stutter step, which which is fine. It's gonna that happen happens. as a corner. You know, you're not gonna not everyone is elite, and not everyone's gonna develop into that. But no, yeah, his physicality. I was like, wow, they really want. I I, I was a little shocked that they wanted like such a physical corner that he is. <laughs> um, I guess you could tell definitely that they were bothered that Gary and Conley cannot tackle to save his life. Yeah, that's true. Which is like, you know, personally to me, I don't think it's like a big deal if your corner cannot tackle. I mean, as long as he like is able to come down and like 
take on a blocker and contain, then he's he's doing his job. You yeah. know, you don't want the corner. You want your corners focusing on coveraging and awareness and stuff like that. Not not coming down to make a tackle on like a 225 pound running back or something yeah i've um, always said uh, if uh you're relying on your corner for run support you should be drafting your front seven yeah so that's definitely well that's definitely a that's definitely a good point right there but um no mullen is good because at least you know he, he he is physical um i, I want to look at him a little more but if if he is physical like coming up the tackle i'm assuming that he can jam well not saying that it's a guarantee all oh, just because yeah. you're physical you can jam well because yeah. if that means if you're if you're physical you're gonna try to go too much for power and completely whiff and boom touchdown um but at least we know like he's he's powerful that he can like try to hold on his man it's just based on his technique um he does have he does he is gonna lead some more molding and developing of course um he's probably it's gonna be interesting to see if he's gonna be a day one starter I'm going to be very intrigued if he can beat out like Daryl Worley or someone like that. Because no, when you say day one, are you talking day one training camp or oh, game no, no, one? Like, game I, one? I mean game, game one, one, excuse me. Game one start, not day one starter. Gotcha, gotcha. It's going to be interesting to see if he is a game one, week one starter against the Denver Broncos. Because that's we, we know how like they're going to probably want to like run the rock some, to some degree and try to challenge them. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that's kind of good that they got him. I, I like that pick personally. And then you trade back and you guys got some extra picks that you could overfill in the fourth round. So he's a solid pick. I'm excited to see what yeah. he can do. No, I think I think he'll eventually take it over and start. Um, I mean, going into camp, Worley and Conley are don't have anything on lock. It's an open battle. I mean, Conley's basically coming off a rookie year. And similar to Carl, fail out of favor with the coaching staff. So... I mean, I I know both of us like Conley a lot, but in the eyes of the coaches, he's not a lock to start. When I'm watching Mullen, he kind of reminded me of Worley a little bit in what you're talking about, that physical nature. Maybe not the greatest set coverage, but definitely can sure tackle and can coverage and can cover. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like it a lot. I think he can definitely beat out Worley. Um, that's going to be his biggest chance to get on the field early. Mm-hmm. But he's another guy that adds a lot of depth to a position of need. Again, would have gone a different route, but we, uh, I'm happy with it, just like you. We, yeah. we got a guy that fits what we need and is exactly what we need to do. And I think there was a pro football focus stat that he didn't give up a single touchdown in college. So eh, that's pretty good. I'll take that. So. Yeah, so that that's part of his consistency in this play. That's that shows you, okay, this guy definitely has that that baller mentality, that 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 lockdown, that the discipline, which is great, because being a corner is like one of the strongest discipline positions yep. in order to be successful. So, but Trayvon is going to be really really interesting to see how he's going to be able to elevate his play. The good part about it is overall the cornerback position has. Good depth, not yeah. great depth. I mean, in terms of quality, because overall the quality is like, okay, cool. You got cool, solid players. No one's like really good. If anyone's a really good one, it's Gary and Conley. Everyone else yeah. is still like, you got to pick up, you got to pick up, and then we'll see. You're going to pretty much to carry the load. Because honestly, how successful this defense is going to be is going to be on the secondary, essentially, because yeah. there's especially still not that many options. Because I mean, as great as like you and everyone else thinks Cleveland Farrell is, he. He's now he's still gonna a be the only he's still gonna be yeah, he's still a rookie and he's still gonna be the only option. There is Maurice Hurst coming in a second year who's gonna I think gonna be great in the middle. 
And honestly, I'm down on Arden Key this year after seeing so many pictures of him skinny. And personally, even before I saw those pictures, I don't think he was going to be that much of a factor because I really thought he was going to be more ideal sitting behind. We're not sitting behind, but being rotational. Yeah, that's that's how the depth chart is looking for the secondary, which is a really great position. However, Matt, um, to help you transition a little bit to our next subject, I would have done something a lot differently at pick 27 before that in terms of corner um i'll let i'll hand the baton off to you and give a little give a little great article that you're pushing on twitter that's getting so much attention right now there we go yeah by the way the article we're talking about it's on my twitter follow me comment with whatever uh redraft scenarios but yeah we're gonna go go over some redrafts we're gonna put ourselves in uh mayock's shoes and do a little bit of hindsight play a little game and see what we can come up with. So, pick number four. Obviously, um, Jose would go in another way. Jose, where, where are you going with pick four? Kyler. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> I just had to, had to throw the troll in there just real quick, even though that was an option. <laughs> All right, well, I mean, come on. Obviously, I wanted Ed Oliver. So, mm-hmm. fourth selection, I would have gone Ed Oliver personally, just based off value and versatility. Um, once again, I wasn't really like set on anyone major. I would have loved to have had Quinn and William. I would have loved to have Nick Boza. I would have loved to have had it Oliver. Clint Farrell was just like someone I didn't really think that was up yeah. there. But um, if pick number four, if I were to hoping they redo it and no trade back, then it would be Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver. No, I, I could have respected that. And like I said before, I had Clellan Farrell ranked fifth, but the guy who I rank, had ranked third was Josh Allen. Oh, someone's already chirping me on Twitter about the scheme fit. I'm sorry. When you have 13 sacks, your scheme sucks. You need any talent you can get. Yes. When you have 13 sacks, you take the guy who had 17 on his own in college. And I think that's kind of a, I think that's, I don't want to say stupid notion because I don't want to disrespect, but I think that's like an unintelligent notion to be so into a pass rusher doesn't fit the scheme. Well, um, Josh Allen was a stand-up guy. What, what scheme does he need? Get out there and rush the quarterback. Yeah. What the hell are you talking about? What scheme? It's not like a corner or a safety where oh, we want to run zone ideally and play you guys all high up. When it's like no, no, Jonathan Abram, you're better as a box safety. So yeah. we're gonna we're gonna do the opposite. You know, it doesn't make sense. Josh Allen would have fit fine, and he did beast of a job. And like I told you, he played over twenty percent of his snaps. In coverage, which yeah. is insane. And still put up those numbers. No, I mean, like like everything we're saying, I like Farrell. I want to be clear. I like the guy. I like the pick. I like him too. But if I'm putting myself in those shoes, I have my big board. I'm going with Josh Allen. I'm going with the guy that is a little bit more athletic and is a little bit better of a pass rusher. But. And man, that did the Jacksonville Jaguars get a nice little gem in him? What Dante Fowler wasn't, I think Josh Allen will be a lot better. Dante oh, Fowler with his the jazz. out of out of shape ass, like not taking it seriously or stuff like that. I'm I'm not gonna say he's not taking it seriously, but yeah. man, what a reach that was and what a whiff. Yeah, I mean the Jags could have a nasty pass rush with uh, Allen and Yannick and Gawkway coming up, but that's one defense to keep an eye on out yeah, for sure. Pick 24, we talked about it a little bit already, um, was Josh Jacobs. I think we are going to agree on this one. I Whoa. I would have gone Montez Sweat. Um, I'm with you. Talked about it before. I've always thought, I've been adamant about it. No one's been able to convince me otherwise. 
that the Raiders needed to go with two pass rushers in the first round or with their first two picks even just because it was that bad. I know Sweat's got the heart condition, but Mo Hurst was apparently worse last year. Yeah. And apparently, you know, we'll get on the quack of the week, but that might have been uh, the doctors at the combine because they could have misdoped, uh, misdiagnosed, sorry, um, Montez Sweat. And so it might not have even been that bad. And it would have ultimately given you two super productive pass rushers in the first round. And that's your biggest need. And those mm-hmm. were the two best players available in my mind at that at pick twenty four when we made it. Yeah, and with Montez Sweat, I mean, I definitely, I really wish the Raiders had taken him. I really wish they took him at twenty four. I don't, I, I thought they really were going to double dip with their first four picks, but then, then again, you think about it, after Montez Sweat, there wasn't really anyone worth, yeah. necessarily taking at twenty seven and thirty four or thirty five when they were originally were slotted. No so um, I understand why they didn't take them because so many defensive ends, front seven players went off in the first round. Um, but yeah, dude, Monte Sweat because def- an impactful and elite defensive end or even a good defensive end is more impactful than an elite running back personally to me. Absolutely. That's going to come clutch in third downs and just overall situations and that you need. And Raider fans can't lie and say that Khalil Mack was – not yeah. elite. He came through so many times and won those team games. He gave Derek Carr the ball to come back on comeback games so many times in 2016 and plenty of other instances. So to say that an impactful defensive end isn't as useful or isn't even worth more than running back is just asinine personally. Yeah, no. Montez Sweat would have been done. I'm not saying Montez Sweat is going to be a great elite talent. I'm not saying he's not, but... You know, you, you definitely need it. You address need and address best best player available. The only reason, the only thing I have a knock on Sweat is this fool cannot bend to save his life. It looks yeah, kind of ugly. It looks kind of ugly personally to me, which is like a little weird because you're not going to develop a bend. That's something you're just born with. That's tough. Which is like another <laughs> thing I'm I'm not I'm not so high on with Cleveland Farrell anyways. But a 24 man Montez Sweat would have been awesome. And in fact, I think the only reason why he slid is because some team got the hands on the rumor reports and just released it. Mm-hmm. Some had someone leaked it and hoped it fell to him. Maybe it was who who drafted him again at number twenty five. Washington. Washington. It might have been Washington who leaked it or someone like that because he definitely would have fallen more because I I I don't know. It, it definitely could have been uh, yeah. someone who leaked it. Personally, I'm always in the thing that it, it's too convenient for this to have leaked the day or day before. Uh, yeah. So yeah, twenty four at Montesquieu would have been the more ideal scenario for me. Yeah. No. We can get on board with that. All right. Moving on to 27. Jose, who would you have gone with? At 27, Jonathan Abrams. Like I said, you obviously you're going to switch on that pick. <laughs> um, I had no problem with Abrams. It's cool. But obviously if I had to choose and I, I didn't even know he was going to be there and I was shocked so many of them fell, but I would have rushed to that table and drafted cornerback Byron Murphy. He's just that, – that's easily the best corner in the draft. He was drafted as one of them, like as the second overall corner, I think. There wasn't there only one corner that got drafted at like yep. twenty two. DeAndre or Baker. Like that? DeAndre then, Baker, right. And, and then, then it uh, followed Murphy. with Murphy to thirty two or thirty three with the Arizona Cardinals. So um that's a great point. That's a great pick for the Arizona Cardinals value pick to get the first overall second round pick, Byron Murphy. And I was shocked that he, as well as a couple other corners, fell. Yeah, I mean, greedy. you know, we talk about greedy, and you know, I told you I wasn't so high on him, and look, now he fell, and that was the reason why. I don't think he's that 
he's worth the hype. He's going to be a good corner. He's not as great or elite as some people are putting him up to be. One of, and I'm not even accounting how soft he is in tackling because I don't view that as a big deal. He's a yeah. baller. He has an instinct. I just think his technique is kind of crap. Um, whereas Byron Murphy, everything's so fluid. This guy yeah. is a freaking snake. He's like water in a water balloon that if you touch it, he's going to just mold and just so fluid. This dude can do man coverage, ideally zone, and he just has a knack for the game. His discipline, his eyes. I mean, dude, I was in love. You just, I'm a big boy <laughs> crushing right here, like a high school kid. I can, pre- or, I can appreciate it. Or a fat kid getting his cake or his cake, or in my sense, you know, if I get some, if I get my first beer on a Friday night, just cool, <laughs> frothy, I just get so excited. That's pretty much what Byron Murphy was to me, a first beer on a Friday night after a long day of working. Yeah. That would have been awesome, dude. But I, I, when you after looking at the draft, uh, the Raiders' whole draft, it makes sense. He wasn't even an option for them. Maybe yeah. if somehow he slid. Of course, you want to take him, but he because Byron Murphy, I think the one thing, the one knock against him, he's not that physical. Yeah, I was gonna say um, he's not well, physical he's, enough. Yeah, for he's Gruden. definitely not physical, and he's he's kind of light overall. I think. I think when I read, oh, one of the reasons why he fall he fell, and even before it was renounced, he fell. I thought he was like this guy looks kind of skinny. And it's not ideal to put – I mean, you want to put on weight as a football player depending on your position, but not cor- not so much as a corner because then you become slower and you yeah. start like uh, just to your your mass and everything, which that's apparently one of the reasons why he fell. Gotcha, so yeah. get sure. on the Arizona Cardinals, dude. Barry Murphy was such an elite talent. Yeah. I mean, I would have liked Murphy too. I can't hate on that pick. I like the guy a lot coming out of UW, West Coast bias. Um, but – the guy I would have gone with, because and it'll make more sense when I say pick forty. Um, the guy I would have gone with was Dalton Rizder. I loved him coming out. I loved watching cool. him from the in the draft. Guy played center, then moved to tackle. That's not an easy transition. I mean, to me, a guy that can do that can go in, and you can stick him at left or right guard, wherever the opposite of Gabe Jackson's going to mm-hmm. be if he's going to move back. Um, and, and again, we were talking about it with Jacobs. The running back isn't going to matter that much if you have glaring needs at the offensive line. And that's the one that's one of the biggest knocks I have to give the Raiders and Mayock and co is they didn't do anything on the offensive line. And I really think they needed to. I mean, you let go of Kelechi, which I agree with, cut bait with him. He wasn't as effective last year. But you've got to replace him. And even if it does end up being uh, good or whoever else they brought in, um, at least give that guy some competition and give somebody of the future. Yeah, like that was kind of disappointing for me. I would have addressed that there and gone with an O lineman. I never have a problem with O lineman in the first round. Ra- in the first round, just because I'm a trenches guy, former D line guy, I had to go with it. I had to go with a uh, Risner there. And you know what, Matt? I'm gonna have to. I'm not going to join you with that. Um, I'm kind of glad they didn't take a first-round offensive guard, if that was going to be the preference, because a guard is nowhere near as valuable as a tackle, obviously. But and with what Colt they... Miller's struggles, Risner No, no, no. Think guard. about it. Think about it. There's no way in hell Gruden's going to admit that they whiffed on that pick, dude. He's that stubborn. Even to this day, he's not going to come out and admit that they whiffed on Khalil Mack trade, you know, or all these other signings and all these other stupid moves he did last year without any help. Luckily, Mayock's here to help calm his coats down, you know? <laughs> so there's no way in hell a stubborn guy like that is going to openly admit to take Galton Risner because that's pretty much an omittance that, you that's know what, true. guys? Yeah. We, whiffed, we whiffed on Colton Miller. You know, you can't – I, I remember I used to follow 
uh, I remember in, in history when I would read about like leaders, like specifically like in Chinese leaders, like they would not admit their faults. They would personally acknowledge it to themselves, but they would never openly admit it. If someone asked them, they would just be like, no, nah, it was because they want to be shown as a leadership fact- faction. And that's kind of a little bit how I think Gruden views himself. He doesn't want to, he's a leader yeah. and he can't admit that. And he knows he's going to be a laughing stock because he probably deep down believes he did a whiff on that. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not knocking, prisoner would have been awesome, um, but I also don't view guard as that big of a deal either. If it was offensive tackle, oh, sure, hell yeah, that would have been yeah. tight. That would have been perfect. But offensive guard, I think, is the second interchangeable position because it's all about the worth of a tackles is number one, and then center number two because that's pretty much the quarterback of the offensive line. And guards, at that point, is pretty much you get ones that are solid enough that you can get that can play it, and then it's on the offensive line coach to get a scheme or system around them that adheres to the strength and just develop them personally, which, once again, you're really going to trust Todd K. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's a good point. I guess I just look at. And we all know direct TV is better than cable. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I I don't know why that took me a second to register, but I see what you did there. <laughs> um, no, I mean, like I do see what you're saying. I guess part of it too was, um, you know, I was thinking if Miller does have another rough year, that uh, Risner gives you that option. But I do think you have a point when you go when you're talking about. Gruden being a stubborn SOB and not going to want to admit his fault. Moving on to pick 40. I was referencing this a little bit, but uh, um, like you said with Byron Murphy, my guy was greedy. I loved greedy. I know he slid. I'm I'm not exactly sure why. Some people are saying because he can't tackle. We've gone over if you're relying on your corner to, for run support, you've got more problems. And... You know, this whole thing about him maybe taking the year off, you know, playing up and down to his competition because of an injury concern. Well, like, I get it. But at the end of the day, he if he's holding out to get to where he needs to be, he's there now. So there that mentality or that knock on him is going to be off the table because he's in the NFL. He's there now. Now you're going to get a guy that's a hell of a coverage guy. And again, I like the Mullen pick. But I was higher on Greedy. If I'm if I'm Mike Mayock and I'm making the pick, it would have been Greedy. Yeah, for Stalin, he he's definitely the more better right now cover corner than Mullen. That's a fact. But yeah. as like we already saw once again, physicality and being a part of a being a leader already, a proven leader, a champion, a winner, that mattered to Gruden and Mayock a lot. Did, High character did. guys with no question marks was awesome. And that's Greedy Williams is not a well, I'm not gonna speak to that degree. But he's definitely not viewed as like that creative leader. Show like that yes. high character with the he, what we're talking about. I see what you're going with there. He didn't show not, that with. He's, the, yeah, he's not that the level. He's nowhere near in those levels. Um, mm-hmm. And then obviously the fact that he's soft against run and that he's just like kind of soft in general it didn't really like make him feel that great. But the only thing, like I said, I've like. Like I said, I've always viewed Creedy as like overrated. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I will say about him is this guy is a ball hawk. Like he's just yeah. a baller. So, and I personally think he has superstar uh, potential in him. Definitely superstar potential in him that you can probably get out of him at once he starts to get adjusting and developing and getting used to things. But, but grieving as a 48 would have been bad. I wouldn't have minded it. Um, yeah. 
why not? I wouldn't mind him. I just didn't see him as definitely a first round thing. I, I don't know. I think I, I I think I told you that if there's any one player who's being projected in the first round, I think is going to fall. It's probably going to be greedy. Yeah. Personally, I wouldn't, and I would not have been shocked. And look, he fell to what forty eight or forty five to the Browns. Yeah, that's no. a good pick for them. Now they yeah. got a great secondary. So, yeah, personally, me at forty, I'm not sure who else I would have gone with. Um, I, I think I'm content with Mullen. Mullen is a pretty awesome. solid, solid draft pick. I slated at number forty overall. Yeah, no, I like I said, I like it, but would have gone a different route. But yeah, moving on to our quack of the week. Jose, I'll, I'll, I'll let you take point here. Who we got oh, as a quack of the week? All right, for my listeners, for those of you who are wondering, these guys just say quack? So if you're unfamiliar with that phrase, calling someone a quack is calling someone a, a, a little out there, a little nutty. You know, n- nothing, nothing too, nothing that that's, that's, that's offensive. It's just someone who's just like, wow, I, that just, you know, someone that makes you say, wow, what did he do? Why did he do that? How? I can't believe it. And my quack of the week, which is no shocker, should not be shocker to anyone who's a football fan that paid attention to the NFL draft last Thursday, was New York Giants general manager Dave Gettleman. This guy at number six overall with two first rounders, whose second pick, I believe, was at number 17 overall, took Daniel Jones, quarterback out of Duke. Once again, he took Daniel Jones, number six overall. Daniel Jones. Daniel. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that one. He took, he took Daniel Jones. You know what? You know what, David Gettleman? You officially have lost it. You officially have lost it. You were. You really thought that Daniel Jones was that great of a pick that he should be in the top 10. You really think that Eli Manning <laughs> is that great of a quarterback still has something left, which I have, I'm, I'm on the record with you, Matt, that I, I wouldn't. 100% rule it out that maybe he was just hyping up Eli to draw value down from teams thinking that they were taking a quarterback. However, if I thought they were taking a quarterback, I thought it was going to be Haskins, Haskins not yeah. Daniel freaking Jones. Are you kidding me, guys? What do you see in this guy? Like a little tall, lanky guy with like a, an arm, I guess. And I'm not a big fan of arm quarterbacks. I personally think Josh Allen of the Bills is going to flame out in the next two to three years. So, Dave Gettleman, dude, what, what what are you smoking? And then you did a trade with Odell to trade away Odell Beckham Jr. to the Browns to for whatever little it. Skittle pieces they found under their shoe. Like, are you serious? You got no value for that. And and if I'm going to throw a wild card quack in there, how about to the media? How is no one on the East Coast totally blowing up the Giants and Dave Gettleman? But when John Gruden does – Oh, we're going to let the scouts go home. This is Everybody, I can't believe they're doing it. Like, yeah. it, like calm down. It's not a freaking big deal, guys. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? Yeah. This number six overall? Like, I mean, for Daniel Jones, like I said, I'm a value guy. That was not value. If Daniel Jones was worth the 10 bucks, this fool Dave Gilman ran to the podium and said, here's $100. <laughs> no, here's 120 Like, yeah. he outbidded himself. Like, no, you're 100% time again, bro. Like it's just that guy quack of the week. There's no debate. You're 100% right. I mean, we talked about this in the beginning of the show. I'm pretty sure the only NFL team that viewed Daniel Jones as a first rounder was the New York Giants. Like I and that's the, the funny f- part about it too is like they're they said they took Jones number 6 because they were didn't think he would be there at 17. He's going to be there. Spoiler. He's going to be there. <laughs> 
Like they very easily could have maneuvered this and actually made Gettleman look like somewhat of a competent general manager where they could have gotten Josh Allen, who we talked about was a hell of a pass rusher at six. And they could have waited and even got their quarterback at 17. You know, argue if that's worth it even still at that point. But they easily could have finagled this so much better. And it's just like I remember when I'm putting my mock draft together, I'm like, okay, here's what I would do if I'm the Giants. But I need to think of what's the dumbest possible scenario to do. And that's going to be my mock pick for the Giants. (laughs) Like, and I gave Gettleman credit. I thought it was going to be Rashawn Gary at six and Jones at 17. But. I, I, I apparently I gave him way too much credit. It, it was comical. The Raider fans, and I put this in my draft recap, Raider fans need to take pride in the fact that we have someone competent general manager, or at least don't have Dave Gettleman. Like, it's Dude, just pathetic. The only way this would have got worse is if, if these fools somehow traded up for him. I yeah, think the only reason why the, the Raiders weren't able to trade back two spots is because they didn't leak they were wanting Daniel Jones. They leaked they wanted Dwayne Haskins. <laughs> so if it was that easy, you know, I think about it, it's like, wow, all they had to do was say they were taking Daniel Jones and Dave Gellman probably would have took the bait. Yeah, I, I, think I, I think I would have bet that if, if I saw, I was like, oh, plus 200, <laughs> the Giants trade up because the Raiders want Daniel Jones. I would have took that bet. A nice yeah. little $20 heater. <laughs> yeah, man, it's... Yeah. I don't I, I don't know. I mean, think about who who really was taking that guy? Who was taking Daniel Jones in that first round? Nobody. Nobody. I, Nobody. I, I, it was obvious the the Redskins were taking Dwayne Haskins, who I think is better than Kyler Murray. That guy's that guy's going to be good. Um no one else was uh, I, I there's no other team that was going to take Daniel Jones. He would have slid possibly definitely in this maybe someone in the second round. I probably would have said as far as the third round. But man, wow, that's it's it was a reach. A big reach. That the, I will tell you this. I wanted to instill more of an overdramatic motion at at four when where where I was hanging out at to watch the draft just to create just for the fun of it, just to put the emotion and get some arguments. Mm-hmm. I immediately felt so good about number four pick Cleveland Farrell once I saw number six. I was like, all right, <laughs> I feel so at home. And then that brought up, and then that reminded me of, oh wait, Colin Miller also got taken back. All right, it was a reach, but it wasn't terrible. <laughs> that was just For i sure. mean come on man there's no way yeah. quack of the week we're gonna start we're gonna start making shirts i'm gonna mail it to these guys i love it I hope they wear it i'm gonna get this guy's size like hey Gettleman, you look like you're a little <laughs> tall guy are you a large or extra large maybe a double xl a little too much me yeah, with making that much money this fool's ingesting and in all those carbs and stuff for sure <laughs> all right well that just about does it for today thank you guys for listening and uh, of course, follow us on Twitter. Um, M Holder at or at M Holder ninety five. Jose, you want to plug yours? Yeah, hit me up on Twitter, guys. At J S A and C underscore twenty one. J Sank twenty one underscore twenty one. Guys, I will be getting on our uh, getting an official Twitter for the pod coming up soon. We're also going to be uh, setting up a Gmail account. Um, we want to make this as interactive as possible. So send us DM Jose or I or the podcast once we get it up on Twitter um, and send us any questions or any topics you guys want us to talk about. We'll any talk suggestions. About We're open anything. to it. We de- yep. definitely want to bring more of you guys listeners in, try to get more of the emotional side, not strictly to football, like quick quack of the week. It's yeah. going to be a, a thing for me because I love to call people a quack on <laughs> questionable decisions. Um, as judgmental as I am and opinionated. So 
anything else we're gonna bring up some other pop culture stuff just be on the lookout and try to listen in you'll be shocked and definitely get a laugh out of this for sure all right then we out